listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, gang. Welcome to the third part of our series, Into the Future. You excited about today? Yeah, me too. Hey, if you have anything to take notes on, grab that out right now. Today is going to be a message. I hope that will be an encouragement to you. Uh, Pastor Joe's more of a teacher, but today I'm going to get my preach on a little bit. And so you got to help a brother out. Uh, this series has been a riot. Thank you, by the way, for indulging me and letting me have fun. Uh, I don't know how we're going to go back to normal. I kind of just want to keep the DeLorean on stage. I don't know. See if we can get the domain name, like DeLoreanChurch.com. I don't know. I have no idea. But... Uh, thank you for doing this, and it's loosely based off from the fun of the movie Back to the Future. In fact, if you saw a Cowboy Usher, that's Hunter Carley. He's teaching our kids back in New Kids. They dressed up in Western theme today. What a riot. And so uh, this series has been great. You know, uh, I love Back to the Future. I wore the VHS tapes out, and the second movie was my favorite. I loved it the best. And it's because of all the future stuff. If you uh, didn't watch the movies, repent, uh, but also... <laughs> Uh, if you, yeah, so in those movies, if you didn't know, they go to the year 2015, which in 1985 was in the future. We're thinking that was 100 years ago now, but they went to the future there. And the cool thing about the movie Back to the Future Part 2 is it predicted a ton of things that actually came true. And so things like flat screen TVs and uh, even us wearing technology. Now, we don't have jackets that can dry on their own, but you do, many of you in the room, wear like watches that you can send emails from. It's monitoring your heart rate. Uh, I think about FaceTime. I mean, that was Back to the Future Part Two, and, and I think about people wearing VR headsets, the whole lot of it. One of the most amazing things that it predicted was the fact that inflation was going to come. You remember when that guy in the park says, hey, kid, kid, thumb me $100. And, and they, they thumbed $100 over. We pay with our thumbs all the time. And so it was cool with some of the predictions. Uh, one of the most fun out of all of it was the fact that it predicted, after 71-year curse, that the Cubs would win the World Series. And if you remember that scene, Marty's like, against Miami? Like, it didn't, the team didn't exist. And it was kind of a goof, but now that team exists. And so there's, there's fun things like that. But the reason why I bring it up is this. You watch a movie like that, and some things they got wrong. But you think, man, that's a pretty good track record. I would, I would love to even be able to guarantee that percentage of right predictions about my future in my life. Like, win some, lose some, I'm okay. But the broadscape is, I want to know what's coming up, and I want to know what it's all going to look like. I want to have it figured out. And that's not how life works. But at the same time, I think that God can give us hope in the future. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And I want to tell you this. I'm ready for the future. I'm excited about it. We spend a lot of time thinking about it, all of us in the room. Uh, maybe you're a student, and you're thinking about graduation. Uh, or, or maybe you're, you're thinking about starting a new relationship or starting a family. Maybe you're thinking about moving to a new house. Or uh, maybe you're in here and you're thinking about starting your retirement. And you're thinking about what life's going to look like. We're always thinking about the future. And, and, and whether we are anxious about it or whether we're resolved in it, it's always in front of our face. Now, whatever you're doing as far as the future, whether you're anxious or not, we're thinking about it. But wisdom says we need a plan for it. We need to have an idea about how to engage the future so that we can be successful in all of it. I want to ask you a question. I said, I'm ready for the future. Are you? Are you ready for what God has for your life? Ephesians, uh, we read this last week, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. It says walk circumspectly means consciously, being thoughtful about your life because life goes by fast, right? And it, and it says you can be fooled. Like life can go by so quickly, like, man, how did I end up here? I thought things would be different. And so it can be deceiving. Yeah, the days that, that seem long, but years that go by so quickly. And I love how it says redeeming the time for the days are evil. And they are. They're, they're so deceitful in how they present themselves to us. God wants us to redeem the time. And that is leveraging our past. That was our first message in this series. If you missed it, go to newchapel.com slash watch or subscribe to our podcast. But we talked about dealing with our past. And last week, we talked about our present and how we as believers, we've got to get our, 
our nose out of a phone, and we need to get into our life and engage in the here and now and be present. And today I want to talk about boldly engaging our future. I want to read it for you out of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God says this, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that might have been on your grandma's fridge as a magnet. That might have been something you've seen your whole life. But I think when we, when we begin to entertain the thought of a future and a hope, it can make some of us in the room, makes our chest a little tight, makes us, makes us kind of tighten up a little bit because we don't know. I want to deal with that today so you can be a Christian that marches boldly into the future that God has for us. Can you hear it, amen, somebody? Let's pray. Father, I ask today that you'd help me make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. God, as we dive into your word today, as we, as we dive into truth, I pray that you unlock things. And, and God, some of the future that you might have even shown people in the room, God, give them a boldness to pursue it with everything in them. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. When I bring up future and hope, it can seem like a very distant thing, something that's foreign. I mean, some of us are type A and we're like seize the day, but a lot of us are just normal people. And you face daily life and it's like, I don't know what, what, what the future holds. And, and, and there's a lot of unknowns and it, it bothers me when we even talk about it. I think that people have, a, have a, a hang up sometimes about engaging their own life and engaging their own future. And I've got a couple ideas about it. Maybe you want to jot these down. Uh, surely there's a more exhaustive list, but these are some primary ones. Why do people feel uncertain about the future? Number one, uncertainty comes when we don't see good happening currently. I mean, if you spend a half an hour watching the news, you almost need like a half an hour in counseling. I'm just telling you, it's that bad. Things have changed, and, and, and there's a lot of bad things going on. And then just think on a granular level. In our everyday life, you might experience things like, this is not what I wanted. And we're not experiencing the life that we thought. Some of us had a lot of savings saved up, and you found out that your cash is worth a lot less than it was not so long ago. And so you're not seeing things currently going well. Second reason, uncertainty comes when we're hopeless. We don't expect good things ahead. Now, that might be because you're not experiencing great things right now, but as you look forward, maybe you say, man, as I've gone through life, I've faced hard things. I feel like I'm going to face hard things again. There's no real change in sight, and you're not hopeful about what the future holds. In fact, if you'd be honest with yourself, you'd say, I kind of dread it. I just All that feels like is I'm losing time. Third reason why people don't engage their future, they're uncertain about it, many feel disqualified to experience more or good things in the future. I've talked to many people over the years, and because of things they've done in their life or mistakes that they've made or even their family's reputation or their family's background, they feel disqualified for any good thing in their life. And I would just say, who are you to take issue with God Almighty? If he promised it to any Christian, he promised it to you. But yet they'll, they'll factor themselves out. And, and they would freely pray for somebody else or tell them that God has a plan for their life, but they would discount themselves in receiving any good thing. It, it happens more often than you think. This one, too. People are uncertain about the future because pressure from unknowns paralyze them. Oh, this is a big one. I've talked to so many people, and because they don't know, they, they, they might even have hope that I want something good and I want to see God move in my life, but, but because they don't know how it's going to play out, they just stop. And they, they take in a familiar Egypt, if you, if you will, instead of marching off the map into God's promised land in their life. And, and the idea, here's what I'm trying to say is, God has more. You can't find yourself in an emotional or spiritual paralysis your life is for living, everybody. Can I hear an amen? And here's what I know. God has extraordinary things for all of us. It means something for you personally. It means something for the Lord. It means something for this church. And so the question is this. Are you ready for what God has for you? Are you ready to engage that? God is trying to work something out in our lives, and are you willing to take that next step? You need to prepare for it. You need to wrap your mind around it, your heart around it. And when you're doing that, here's what's happening. You're saying, God, I believe that you have something exciting for me. You have something more, and I might not understand it all, but I'm willing to take the next step that you put in front of me, and that's all that God is asking of you today. Okay, let's jump into it. God wants to do these great things, and the question is, how do we embrace the future with boldness? How do we do it staying on trajectory with what he has for us? Four big thoughts today. Write this down. Number one. We get ready for the future by recognizing what God 
is already doing. You get ready for the future by saying, God, what are you doing around me today? The first principle of experiencing God is, God, where are you active around me? What are you already at play doing? And it takes a little bit of work, depending on the season that you're in in life. I remember when Kai and I were planning the church, golly, almost nine years ago this next month. Wow, Kai, you so old. God bless you. And uh, she's younger than me, so chill out. But um, we, we planted New Chapel, and uh, before you open your doors to the public, you have interest meetings, and you try to get leaders put together. And so I'd say probably six months before we opened our doors, we had a meeting in our house, an interest meeting. And I invited everybody I could think of to like come to this and be a part of the planting this great church in Grand Rapids. And Kai and I, when we moved to Grand Rapids, she had never lived in Grand Rapids proper. Uh, Kaya is from a region of Michigan called Standelay, <laughs> which is French for Standale. And I just want to, on record, I liked it a lot better when it was standstill because that Starbucks and Chick-fil-A is too bougie for the people of Standale. I'm just putting out there. They're the Blaine's market. Anyway, um, <laughs> Kaya came from Stondelay. I came from the North Country. I'd never lived in Grand Rapids, but I had the strong conviction. I felt like God wanted us to live in the city limits, like live in Grand Rapids. And so we bought a house on Michigan and Eastern before it was indie fabulous and, and trendy to be down there, and there was nice coffee shops. It was like, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And so our house was broken into twice. Once while we were there, I'm fending off a robber. You wonder why I wake up and gargle gravel. It's I'm a tough cookie. And so we lived down there. We were on the wrong side of the tracks and didn't know it. And, um, and so, so we had this, this interest meeting at our house, and we had a like 1,100-square-foot house with four bedrooms. So you can imagine how small every room was in this house, and uh, the living room was so small. And this living room, we, we packed everybody in, had the meeting with them, and somebody was taking a picture, and a couple people had a, had a stand behind me because in the living room, all of the chairs this humble little church planner could offer were filled up. Well, I'm a church planner. This is a great marketing opportunity. I put on Facebook, standing room only. <laughs> just, just standing room only. As we're done with the house meetings. I had no idea where we were going to have meetings outside of my house, like the house was the plan. God uses people who are just dangerous enough to plant a church and know him well enough to get it off the ground. And so God trusted me to do it. But while I was doing that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at how far we've come. I'm looking at a room full of people. And this all started in my living room with, I mean, I'm telling you, church planners, it's held together by faith and duct tape. And it's like, here we are. But we trusted God. And I think about this. What could God do? We're nine years old. What could God do in the next 10 years? What could God do in marriages here and in your families and in generations that are attending New Chapel? How can God make this an outreach to our community? You know, largely, our community really doesn't know about us. They really don't. And do I think that our great, like, coming out on the great stage, I, I think it's coming. I really do. But listen, they don't even know us. I think in the next 10 years, this community really knowing that there's a church that cares, that wants to get grassroots, boots on the ground, let's make a difference in people's lives. I think that could happen, but we have to have a vision for the future. It's not enough. It's not enough to believe that God just wants to do something great. It has to be that God wants to do something great in our lives, and that he wants to bring it to pass. Wow. Um, some of you might be wondering, as <laughs> we think about the, the work that has gone into making church happen from the time we planted, but even right now, and even not just on Sunday, there's so many go team people that are serving today, but there's people that serve during the week. I mean, there's, there's, there's Brandy and, and, and Hunter and Sharon Ann and, and Aaron and so many people that are serving. And, and, and we work so hard. And, and why and how do we get DeLoreans on stages? And, and why do we go through all the work? You say, well, Pastor, I don't need all that stuff. I don't need all the lights. I just need a good message and some worship. Listen, I'm with you. I don't need any of this. Well, I need the DeLorean. But... but <laughs> I spit holy water on that thing when you guys aren't around. Anyway, I don't need any of this stuff either, but we need to reach a community that does need it. And so we put a lot of effort into it, and we need to show off the grandeur of our God, that God is for people to connect with God. And, and so what's happening at New Chapel, all the work that we put in and DeLoreans and lights and kids and all that kind of stuff, it is a lot of work in the natural because we're so excited about what God has done supernaturally in our lives and in people's lives. That's why we do it, to showcase how awesome our God is. That's why we put in so much work 
during planning this church, all the way to the movie theater, all the way to the school days, and, and then trying to make a right aid into a church. Everybody, like, we've done it all and in between, and we're working hard to showcase the greatness of God because we're not afraid of the future. We're going to embrace it, whatever it may bring. Ephesians 2, 19, the Bible says this in the message. God is building a home, and he's using us all, irrespective of how you got here in what he is building. Guys, the church, this church, is not built off from one personality. It's built off from the sacrifices of many people sitting around you today in this room and outside of it, and it makes all the difference. Now, I'm going to boast a little bit, but I'm boasting in Jesus, so, so kind of entertain me a little bit. Maybe you want to get excited with some of this. The last two years, specifically two and a half years, we have had record salvations. We've had record baptisms, record uh, group attendance. We've heard stories of life change and deliverance and freedom and healing. That has happened in our midst. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, absolutely. It's happening. And I'm saying that for this reason. I don't want you to leave church and think like, oh, man, you know, that's, that's wonderful. We had a great music and, and whatever the series. I want you to leave church and realize your church is alive because Jesus is alive in our people. He's changing people's stories. <laughs> Write this down. We have to see what God's done, right? When we recognize what God has done, it gives us faith to believe him for big things that he has in the future. Write that down. God has big things in the future. But you have to look at what he's done in the past. You have, to, you have to acknowledge him. What is he doing around you in the present? And then that's going to give you that faith that you need to trust him in the future. In fact, how about this? You guys did pretty well when we talked about those things. I want to go old school. Forget the lights. Forget the fact you're in, in comfy chairs. Y'all act like you're in wood pews for a second. Can just for 20 seconds we get rowdy in church and give a praise break and honor God for all the work he has done. God, you are awesome. You are louder. You are amazing. You are wonderful. You are moving in our family, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, he's not done. He's worthy of it all. Thank you, God. You saved our families and our hearts. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Why not stand up, honor the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Y'all can have a seat. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is working and he's doing it. He's working it out in our lives. And if you were hesitant to stand up, I'm sorry, I embarrassed you in church, but some of us were freed from living crazy, and, and we know what it's like to be in the world, and, and that taste of freedom meant the world to us. Part two, I got to move on. I'm making the visitors feel uncomfortable. Part two, <laughs> we get ready for the future by living with a faith-filled expectancy. Write that down. Faith-filled expectancy. Like knowing, God, I trust you, so therefore I can trust the future that you have. So time is flying. Uh, you are already over halfway through with this year. Like, take that in. Like, it, to me, it's like March. I don't know. And maybe it's because spring wasn't and, and just never ended, and it was cold and wet and every Like, I don't know. I'm not there yet. But, it, but whether you're ready or not, time keeps on going. And so when we think about the future, how are you going to end the year? So many of us wait for January to get kind of all mustered up and ready to take on the hill. What are you going to do with the rest of the year you have? You have a lot of year left. Think about the next decade. Are you thinking critically about your life? Are you walking circumspectly? Can we put it that way? Are you being conscious about the way you're living? So the decade goes the way that you believe God has called you to live it out. I want to read this out of Ephesians 3.20. This is a hallmark scripture. I think for the New Testament believer, you can memorize this, get it tattooed on your forearm, now to him who is able, God is able, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Another translation even says imagine. According to the power, and this is crazy, this is crazy, that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. That's why we got a little rowdy. That's why we gave God glory because he's done great things. But it says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. That's mind-blowing. That's what God wants to work out, is that your expectation, the goodness of God. Let me read Isaiah 54 out of the message version. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. I like this. Spread out. Think big. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. 
I was talking with uh, someone last week, and this has been a, a story that's been playing out over months, really, maybe even in more than a year. And this person was uh, endeavoring to get pregnant. And uh, one of their friends came up and said, hey, Pastor Joe, I feel like I have a word, but I need to get permission from you because it's kind of weird. And, and so I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm, I'm listening. And they said, uh, this person who's trying to get pregnant, I feel like they should park in the expectant mother's parking. Do it. And I said, I have a scripture for you. And I read it out of Isaiah 54 to him. Well, last week, uh, they, they kind of all called me together after second service, and I, I was talking with them, and they were believing God to get pregnant, and, uh, and they shared with me that they were parking there, and even though they kind of felt a little embarrassed about it, like, I don't know I'm supposed to be doing that, you know? And I said, you are. And here's what it is out of the King James Version. Bear with me. Isaiah 54, 1, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break into singing and cry aloud. For more the children of the desolate than the ch children of the married woman, saith the Lord. Here's what it means. It means that for the, for the woman that's barren, before you ever get that little test back or the blue stick or the dye or I don't know what science experiments they do to make it happen, but before you get confirmation back, you sing like that baby's in your tummy right then. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. And it says you will forget the shame of your youth. And it says, you bust out because you will not be embarrassed. I love that. Now, wait, wait, wait. This isn't even the best part. So I tell her, I said, why don't you go and get some New Chapel merch? She's like, er, you know, like bougie, bougie. You know, I said, you go and get a New Chapel mama sweater. I want you to wear it. And so she wore it. This week, Kaya got a text. And the text was her celebrating because she's pregnant. She was wearing that shirt, everybody. She's pregnant. That's God. Faith-filled expectancy for the future. God can do it. He will do it. He's moving on my behalf, and he's not going to embarrass me. But here's the idea. Why does it say you're not going to be embarrassed? Because you feel like you're going to be embarrassed. You feel like if I launch out in faith, if I park in that spot, everyone's going to think I'm a phony. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Who cares? I used to talk to people, and they, they'd come to church and be like, oh, Pastor, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of hide in the back because they lived a rough life. They were rough, rough, as if they're more rough than me. I could out you like you can't even imagine. I just hit it better than y'all. And so, <laughs> anyway, they're going to hide. I said, don't hide anything here. You'd be bold coming in here. Come just as you are. If you make a mistake, let's make a big one. You know, like just be at peace in this place. Because God loves you and he wants you to be at home. I don't know what caused me to say that, but God is saying, believe me for big things. Now, every once in a while at New Chapel, you'll hear me say that the best is yet to come, okay? Best is yet to come. And you think that it's some sort of gimmicky, rah-rah thing that we're trying to present to you, but I want to tell you how important that it is, and I want to really unpack what we mean when we say it. When I was having my standing room only church planning meetings... Uh, you know, it was a rough go. And we eventually planted the church, and through my incredible teaching gift, the first year of our church, we were about 70 people on average. 70. But I preached to that 70 like I preached to you today and like I will preach to thousands someday. I never discounted the season that I was in. And so I had to leverage where I was at and ask God, to take me through to greater things. And when I think about a church that at one point averaged 70 people and for years, very modest origins. We were at Celebration Cinema Woodland for two years, 104 Sundays exactly. We were at uh, um, North Point Christian High School for just over two years before we renovated this. And then I look at what God's done and, and some of the stats that we read off. And, and then I think about how we've opened a daycare. I mean, that's, that's amazing to me. And, and God is taking ground. I see the, the growth on a weekend. You can see God moving. And, and the idea is this. I had to constantly say, in spite of pretty modest results, that the best is yet to come. And you're not able to look at anything. That's the hard part about it. You know, it's like, it's like you feel like you're supposed to be in a race and you're supposed to be caught up, but you done dug yourself a hole and you're the hardest part about getting back in the race is when you're in a hole and you're like looking out, you can see everybody else running by. But, but sometimes that's when you just got to start running or digging. But, but, but however you look at it, you've got to say, God has more, the best is yet to come, even when you're in a pit, even when things don't look like what you imagine them to. 
Man, I thought everybody's going to treat me like Stephen Furtick. They'd be like, oh my gosh, he's the best preacher in the world. I can't believe it. And I wasn't going to have a hand, uh, head held mic. I was going to have one of those handhelds and eat the mic. My God, God has a plan for you. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I thought we were going to have rich people at our church. God, send the rich people. Never came. <laughs> Just everyday, ordinary, normal people make everything happen here because the best is yet to come. My faith isn't some dude bankrolling this thing. My faith isn't in the first several years this looking like anything. My faith is in God's call me to do something. And in God's good time, when all the dust settles, we will see the goodness and the glory of God in our lives and in this church. But you have to say that the best is yet to come. And it's not enough for me to do it. You got to get to that spot. Yeah, for your church, for you, for you. You got you to believe that in the deepest way, that God, your best days have not played out in my life. The best days are yet to come, that God, you have goodness in my life. You got to have this perspective that on any given day, God can show up and do the miraculous, and he probably will. I trust God. That's, that's the heart that we need to have. But why do we miss it? Write it down. We miss God's best when we have no expectation. Write it down for him to move today. When you just go through daily life, the days are evil, right? When you're just going through the motions and there's no expectation like, hey, God could do anything. One thing I love about our church is we've never lost that heart that we can take on hell with a squirt gun. <laughs> that, that we're a little bit dangerous because we, we know God. And we have an expectation, and that's why God has been able to fill the need. Wow. We need to expect miracles, expect the supernatural, expect for him to come through in our families, our homes, our finances, our church. Expect God to do great things. I see a lot of churches. I see a lot of people. I see a lot of businesses. And they'll have initial success in their life. And then things get a little bit hard, and, and when, when the, things settle down a little bit after maybe the first or second trial, they'll just talk about how great things were in the past. And they don't think about the future anymore. No, 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 listen. Thank God for the past. Thank God that the Lord delivered us from other things. Thank God that we're through some of those awful things. But God has more in the future, and we can't sit back and rest on our laurels. We have to press in to his goodness and his plan for our life. Can I hear an amen, church? Wow. We need to live with faith-filled expectancy. Part three, write this down. We get ready for the future by... Doing all that we can do right now. Not waiting. What, what do you have in your hand? What step can you take in the here and now? We can't sit back and watch. Let's roll our sleeves up and jump in and engage. Well, Pastor Joe, I grew up and, and, and I was taught that if God's going to do it, it's just going to happen. Guys, I got to tell you, the things that you read about in Revelation, they're going to happen whether you vote on it or not. But so many of the things that God wants to work out in your life or in your community or church or in America, it's going to be because you took a step. It doesn't happen automatically. There's providential will of God, things that will happen, milestones. And then there's a lot of people that can live in God's good, perfect, pleasing will and maybe accept a substitute. We need to realize that God has more. It doesn't work out automatically. We, what we do today in the here and now, it makes a difference on our tomorrow, this month, this decade. I want to give you three practical things that you can do now under point three. Uh, write this down, classic Pastor Josiah. Uh, we can get ready in prayer. Write it down. So you can do something. What can I do, Pastor Joe? Prayer. You're like, okay, got that. Next point. Listen to me. Nothing. Nothing gets done in the kingdom of God without prayer. Doesn't work. So if you're like glazing over it because you have an awful prayer life and you're just glazing over it, been there, don't lean into that. You show me your prayer life, I'll show you your future. If you're one of those that are privileged enough to have one of my massive planners, big as a phone book, baby, and you go, there's a prayer list in there. You show me your prayer list, I'll show you your future. You're literally writing the story, the narrative with God. Nothing gets done without prayer, and we need to seek the one that can perform the miraculous. This is not an intellectual faith. It's a supernatural faith with a living Jesus. And we need to stop living our life in the ordinary and start living it in the extraordinary. You know, a lot of people, they say, well, accept Jesus. And then, really, the church I grew up in, it was like, they didn't say this, but it was like, act right until you die. 
You know, like that was it. Oh, get baptized. That's huge. But just act right until you die. Friend, listen to me very carefully. You should get baptized. You should act right until you die. But God has more than just your moral behavior. God has a plan for your life, and he wants to work it out in real time. And so when you pray, you'll watch God's power invade your everyday life. You'll begin to see you be able to take steps that you never anticipated yourself being able to do, things that are beyond you, and you'll be able to trust God for miracles. Write it down. We've got to move on. Things that you can do now, you can get ready for the future when you serve. Write that down. Serving. Huge deal. We need to serve, jump in, roll up our sleeves. You know, the stories of life change that I hear, I have a front row to them, and it is amazing. In fact, our church does not do well enough of a job of sharing some of the stories that are playing out. It's just, ah, Lord, help us. But, but it's because, yes, prayer, but it's because of people serving. It's because people are serving. It's because uh, that cowboy usher came in to pass the bucket and go back and teach his class because we need more kids workers, because we're blowing up in kids. It's because somebody manned the guest services table, and somebody came early and put out cool, bougie-bougie-looking flags. Y'all like my new flags I got out there? Like, I like that. Coming up in the world, everybody. And so <laughs> it's because somebody brewed coffee and came early and set up chairs and made them straight. And It's because somebody served. And, and I hear this all the time. It's an incredible compliment. People will visit. They'll be like, I love your people. They're so enthusiastic, and, and they're so life-giving, and they're smiling at you. I mean, I remember church I grew up in, when I went into it, just everybody look on their face. looks like they're baptized in pickle juice, you know, just you're already sending, like, you should feel guilty vibes my way, you know? Like, I do. You don't have to send the vibes, you know? And, 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 and so our people, when they serve, it makes a difference, and how we serve makes a difference. I just want to tell off on, on three people that I think are exceptional. Hunter DeBoer, Hunter Carley, and Aaron Ball. Yeah. Now, you may not know who these people are. They're 20-somethings, 19-somethings. They're incredible. They live at this church. Like, when they have nothing else to do, they hang out here. It's like, cheers, but we don't serve. And so they're going to be our three interns this coming uh, fall all the way through for a year because they have this call in the ministry. Yeah, why not? And if you were to sit down and hear their story about how they got here and how God worked it out in their life and how God uh, took them from where they were and, and maybe it was just average, maybe it was just living everyday life to where they're at and purpose is thriving in their hearts, you'd hear stories that would just stir you to your core. It's, it's unbelievable. Now multiply that by times, by times, by times over when we all start serving and investing because somebody served those kids when they came in here. I got to not call them kids because I'm old now. <clears throat> those young adults. But when you're here and when you pray and when you give and when you invest and you're serving and you're all about it, God does this thing. we got to move on. Uh, how, can you, how can you take some action? Write it down. Uh, we get ready for the future when we give. Lives are being changed because of giving. Now, it might get quiet when I bring that up, and that's okay. I know Pastor Eric does a better offering than I do. Mine's a little bit like hitting a tape deck. But um, someone had to buy the mobile church. That was in a trailer. And somebody had to pay our rent. I remember Kai and I, <laughs> first year, uh, we would get done with service, and we didn't have online giving, because that's for the rich church, you know. So we'd just pass the bucket. It was whatever came in in that bucket. Same Home Depot buckets, because I'm cheap. And, and so we'd, we'd have somebody on the team. They'd be counting all the money, and they'd tell us, you, you had $700 came in. We were like, yes, yes, because rent was $500. And we, we had popcorn that we gave away, and we had coffee, and we were given first-time visitor gifts and everything. It meant that we at least broke even that week, okay? It's a huge deal. And so, so you can't even imagine how poor we were. And so um, the rest was salary. That's the good news. And so, um, so when you think about those humble beginnings and, and, and the investment that we made, I think about the chairs. Somebody bought those. Somebody bought the paint to go on the walls, and we're very resourceful. I mean, you think this is a great stage set. Honestly, these are rolls of LED lights we got off from Amazon and one-by-fives and one-by-sixes that we put on a frame. I mean, we do a lot with little. We're good stewards. But the idea is this. Somebody had to buy it. Everything you are enjoying that's a part of this church, it is the partners at New Chapel who faithfully, day in, day out, give towards the cause. Again, no rich people. Where are they? But, but 
normal people that are giving and trusting God. You don't talk about everybody like it's us. It's us that are doing it. And I see that when people do it, I see God bless them because he said he would. What did he say? He said, uh, anyone who sacrifices houses and lands in this life will not fail to have a hundredfold return in this life and in the life to come. I can tell you on good authority because I've watched it that God will come through. You cannot outgive God. And when you trust him and you lean into this thing, it might feel a little disarming at first. Like, oh my gosh, 10% of my income, that's what, that's what they want. It's not me. I can prove to you I didn't rate the Bible. <laughs> but when you trust God and you return the tithe and you say, God, I'm all in, I'm telling you that 90% always, babe, it's gone further than the 100% without God's blessing ever could. God is faithful all the time. We get ready for the future by doing things in the here and now. And to the person that says, well, I don't know. It's really bad out there. I don't know what's left to, to happen in this world. Listen to me. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm excited for it because I know the one who holds my future in his hands. You know, I had no idea when we had 70-some people meeting at the theater and the school, and, and then eventually uh, here it was very modest for the first several years of even being at this location, one service to begin with. And, and I think back to that time, and even before when God called me to the ministry, like the least likely guy, this is not where things are going. I'm going to go design for Herman Miller and design really great furniture that will be exceptional for your butt. Like just, that, that's, or houses or, or some architectural endeavor. Like I was going to be a designer. That's what I was going to go do. And God called me, I laugh if I say it out loud, God called me into the ministry? Confuses me. I never thought, like, God, who am I to do any of this? And, and here's what God ministered to me. Who are you to say, I can't do exactly with you what I want? I have a call for you. And at 70-some people the first year or so, and steadily growing for the first several years, you know, I just, I look back and I think like, God, I know you can do it. And there'll be a day, mark me, where you're ushered to the front of a very big room. Not big for the sake of being big, big because we're reaching a lot of people. And you'll remember, and you'll say, God said he could work it out in us. I thank God we didn't discount the work he wanted to do in our church, in our hearts, in our lives. So I really feel like it's a word for many of us, though, because you discount what God wants to do in your future. You're afraid of the unknown. Friend, I'm going to say it gently because it's exactly how God would say it to you. Who are you to say, I can't do with you exactly what I will? He has a plan for you that's beyond your imagination. If all you can do is imagine it, God is no bigger than your head. He wants to do above all you could ask, think, or imagine. Wow, God is here. I got to move on. The best is yet to come. Don't limit God. Part four. We get ready for the future by spiritually, write it down, spiritually consecrating ourselves today. I'm going to tell you what that word means in just a second, but it's not like, well, God, if you want to do it, have at it. No, it's not really like that. We know that God wants to do something great, and we know that we have a part to play. And so what we need to do is we need to say, God, you've called me. Don't wait on some providential call of God. You are called by God. God, you want to use me. So Exodus, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. And he's leading them to the promised land, but they've hit a mountain. It's called Sinai. And God wants to give Moses the Ten Commandments. Everybody in the room is picturing Charlton Heston or the Prince of Egypt. I'm with you, okay? This is what it says in Exodus 19. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them. We'll, we'll talk about it. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people. Here's what's going to happen. At least two million people are going to hear the audible voice of God. And God's like, hey, Moses, go get them ready. And Moses is like, okay, I'll get them ready. The God's like, oh, go get them ready. You're going to want new clothes on because you might, <laughs> you might make a stain in the ones that you're going to be wearing. Because when, he, when they heard God's voice, it was such a supernatural and terrifying event. It, you read it if you like extra homework. They went back to Moses and said, please don't let that ever happen again. Tell God we can't do it or we'll all die. It literally says that, okay? 
And so these two million people are going to hear God, but they got to get ready to hear God. I'm going someplace. Write this down. When God is going to do something significant, write this down, he's going to ask you to get ready. Okay, Pastor, get to the meat and potatoes. Listen to me. That is very simple, but it is not simplistic. It is very profound. He's asking you to get ready. You to prepare your heart for what he wants to work out in your life. And if you consecrate yourself, you'll watch God work great things out in your life. Here's what it means, consecrate. Maybe take a picture of this, write it down. Consecrate. To prepare to purify, to dedicate, sanctify. There's a Bible word, kind of like, I'm just getting ready, right? To wholly dedicate. I'm not going to be half in, half out anymore. Like I'm in God. My heart's into this thing. I know you're trying to work out holiness in my life, but this is God saying you need to be wholly dedicated to this thing. Consecrate yourself like I'm in. And for some of you, that's the reason why you're hitting your head against the glass ceiling in your life over and over again is because you got one foot in, one foot out. You're kind of into this thing. I kind of believe that way, but you're living like a Christian atheist in so many ways. What God wants you to do is stop being two people, be one, and wholly dedicate yourself to him. Like, whatever you ask for, I'm, I'm going to stop fearing you, God, in, in the negative afraid sense, and I'm going to fear you in the severe, awesome respect. Does that make sense? Consecrate. And God wants to work it out, but you got to consecrate. you got to dedicate yourself to everything that he has. What does that mean? Wherever you're at, Step it up. And I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. If you're the most spiritual person in the room, great. We have no gold star, but step it up. Think, what does God have for you? What is the next step that he has in front of you? And here's what I know. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to so many of you right now what God is calling you to do. Joshua 3 and verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. He's talking about the future. But here's what I want you to see. There's an if-then. If you consecrate yourselves, you're going to see these amazing things. What's also true, if they don't dedicate themselves wholly to this, if they don't prepare, they're not going to see the amazing things that God wants to do. It's his will to do it. But we have to be people that say, God, I'm in wholly and completely. I'm not going to hold back. If they don't consecrate themselves, look at me. It ain't going to happen. That's bad English and that's good preaching. And for all of us, listen to me. If you don't do it, it won't happen. God will do the supernatural. You've got to take the step in the natural. It's just true. And for some of us, that means partnership. It means you need to go to New Chapel Connect. We offer it during both services. You haven't taken it. Uh, maybe you took a way old, archaic version of it. You need to jump in to New Chapel Connect. Offered both 9 o'clock and 11, so that way your kids can stay back and new kids. We have snacks, refreshments. And the idea is this. You need to join the church. God, who's that guy on the office who's the temp? Ryan. I wish we worked together. Um, Ryan. He gets invited to a wedding, and what happens? He says, we'll see if we can stop by. Well, no, I want to know in what kind of food do you want. I'll see if we can make it. Is that you spiritually? Or can you be a person that joins the church and says, I'm going to be a partner in this thing, and God, I know that like my plan is tied to the plan of what God, you're working out in my church, and so I'm in holy. I'm going to dedicate myself to this thing. So partnership. For some of you, it is joining the go team. It's beginning to serve, and you need to think about that. And this isn't Hotel California where you can check out, but you can't leave. Like, if you start serving in an area and discover it's not perfect, you can move around. How about people uh, who, who knew they were supposed to be in groups last semester, and the new semester's coming up in short order. I believe it starts in October, and you need to be in a small group. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's time for you to invest in the kingdom of God, begin to give. You say, oh, Pastor Joe, I just believe that the tithe is of the law, and we're free from the curse of the law. Really? So if everybody was like you, the church would have to close its doors. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. It's not of law. It's something you get to do, and God rewards you handsomely because he loves you. It's all about your heart. It's all about the purpose of tithing is putting God first in your life. And, and what if you stop tipping and you started tithing? Did I say that or think that? I don't know. But, like, I'm just, I'm not coming down hard on you. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Ask Jesus what your part to play is. I just know exactly what he's going to tell you. 
That's my little spoiler alert for like every time I do an offering. Well, that's awkward. I'm going to let it camp for a second. Because what if that's the thing holding you back from breakthrough? I'm your pastor. I'm trying to lead you to green pastures, still waters. To, things could be copacetic in your life, but you got to have skin in the game and take a step. And we need to remember that God wants it for us. He's not trying to get something from us. He's not trying to monopolize your time. He's trying to do something in you, but it requires you to take that step. And we need to know that these are the days that God is moving. These are the days where he is visiting us. These are the days where he's showing himself powerful. And we need to know that and acknowledge that in our lives when we forget get it, we forget the great things that he can do. And we can see in this room the great thing that, that he's worked out in so many people's lives. I'm as sure as anything that Jesus is leading this church as though we had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. I'm as sure God's hand is on this work as though God has literally parted the Jordan River in front of us and we are walking through on dry ground. I am as sure of the, of the trajectory of this house as I've been sure of anything in my life, but it can't be on me. It's got to be all of us together using our unique giftedness, making a difference into this world, into the future. And that's when we can have an impact on society for sure. In culture, yes, but it's going to unlock things in you. Dormant things, dead things, things that only will be made alive when you're serving someone else you can't pay back. Wow. God wants to work it out. Take us to new levels. Take us into a new chapter. That word's been spoken over this church. What does it require, Pastor Joe? Listen to me. It requires that you consecrate yourself. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. God, I know, even while I was preaching, you're speaking to your people. You're preaching and speaking peace and hope. God, for some people that have been hopeless, hope is rising. It's bubbling up. They're having a hard time even acknowledging it because they've gone through hard things. It's been negative reinforcement. And they face so much hardship in their life. They're having a hard time believing while they're going into a good season that it could even be good for them. Somebody in the room, I am reading your mail right now. You have a hard time receiving the good season because of all the bad reports you faced. Friend, God says you will not be embarrassed. You can trust him. He's patient and he's gentle and he's kind and he loves you. For some people in the room, God did speak a next step. Take it. I feel afraid. Do it afraid. On the other end of that friend, when you've accomplished it, you'll look back and say, I felt afraid, but I wasn't indeed afraid I was secure in the arms of my God. I know in my heart that God is speaking to people. It's so important that you listen. Just take a second in the presence of God and receive from him. Next steps. Some of you have appointments that you need to make with certain people, divine appointments, and you held off because you thought that that person was in another planet from you and you could never talk to them. No, you need to make the relationship. Do it now. For some of you, it's a promotion you don't even see coming. But if you be faithful in small things, if you be faithful with another man's, God will give you your own. Some of you are being mistreated at your work. That's the word for you. Be faithful with what is another man's and God will give you your own. Hallelujah. God, I pray for hope to rise in our church family. God, I pray for vision to rise in our church. I pray that you meet people where they're at. Heal hearts, open minds. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute. If you're in the room and you don't have a relationship with God, whatever that means for you, you're not right with God for whatever, whatever reason, I want to give you an opportunity to make peace with your God. It's found through Jesus, his only son. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you pray this and call Jesus Lord, here's what's happening. You're saying... I'm done being the boss of my life, and God, I, I make you the God of my life. I'm, I'm done trying to play God. And the Bible says that when you do that, 
Eternal life rushes in that, yes, when you die, you'll go to heaven. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But it also means that eternal life starts that moment. You're not waiting to die to experience God's life. You'll have peace that passes understanding. You'll have a steadiness and a stability in your heart that you can't pay for. And friend, I want to offer that to you today. We're not going to embarrass you or call you down to the front, but we are going to pray all as a church. There's Christians that are going to pray this around you. They're going to do it as a declaration of their faith, and they're going to do it in support of you. But if that's you, and you're far from God, whatever that means, I challenge you to take your next step in Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Church, let's pray this with those people who are praying it for the very first time. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised Jesus from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Awesome job. Babe, why don't you come up here? Let's pray for the people. Give it up for my beautiful bride. We love you so much, and we've been praying for you. As you leave today, if you have a prayer need in your spirit, soul, or body, please do come to the front. We'll have prayer partners ready to agree with you on the word of God. We love you guys. Here we go into the future. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week, guys. Love you. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.